thank you for this moment that we can allow our teenagers and their sponsors to just be a part of the moment of worship. God, we ask that in this moment that we can just be present with you. As we pray the prayer you taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. We decide to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Because everything I'm saying 
thing today, I have to be telling myself. So I have it here so I can look at myself. So don't think by any means I'm just pointing the finger outwards because I've got to have it for me. As I was praying about the conversations that we were going to have today, God kept putting one word on my heart through this song. And it's that dreaded word of surrender and submit. That's a big deal for me. Because I, I, I like to have control. Anybody else? Any other control people out there? Okay. So a few weeks ago, I handed out cards to the youth group. And I said, you're going to help me with my sermon and you're going to answer some questions. I asked the youth to define surrender. And here were some of their answers. To give something up. To hand something over. To admit defeat. Let the higher being take over. And each one of those answers is correct, right? In submission, the will is coming out of you. The next question I asked them was, how can we surrender more in our faith? Give God control of my competing and athletics. How many of you at 13, 14, 17 said, I'm going to let God control my competing in athletics. There are some of you today that if we got a dodgeball out, I don't know that God would be controlling <laughs> that moment, right? They also said their prayer before bedtime. My actions, my thoughts, reading my scripture more, not ignoring God's plan, not giving up on faith when life does not go as I planned. Giving more time to God. And then simply the word control. I didn't like it when they wrote that down. Because I meant that I had to process. Because that word right there locks me up. See, the song we sang, we sang it at church camp. And it really resonated with a lot of us. Because it said, I've carried a burden for too far, for too long on my own. And I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. Yeah, I see it now. I'm laying it down, and all I know is I need you. We carry a lot of things in life that God has not called us to carry. Because we think we're supposed to. We carry some weight of guilt. We carry weight of distractions. We carry weight of your own will. That this is what I want to do for me, right? This is what sounds fun for me. This is what's going to make me better at life. But this song reminds us that we can't carry those things. Jen did a beautiful illustration one day. She had Josh here and gave him a bunch of luggage, had Ryan on his back, reminding us that we can't carry the things that this world tells us we're supposed to carry. See, further down in the song, it says we run to the Father and we fall into grace. We're done with the hiding and there's no reason to wait. That makes me think of, do you remember when you were a little child or when you had children and they were somewhere they weren't supposed to be or you were somewhere you weren't supposed to be and you realized that you took off running as fast as you could and you were just all out sprinting? Maybe you got scared. I remember riding my bike with my brother one day and they told me that someone was underneath the bridge or the creek we used to kind of go down to at the end of the street. One day I pedaled as fast as I could because I was like, somebody's coming after me and get me. And I was terrified, right? Well, in those moments in life when we feel like there's nothing else we can do, we've hit rock bottom, and we just have to run to our Father. That is what 
it's like like a child just completely carefree, just running with all they have. And guess what? God is standing there with open arms saying, I have the grace you need. Right? But too many times, we're so worried about making sure we've got all of our stuff with us, carrying our baggage, that we forget to run just completely free like a child to God. And we forget that he extends us that grace that we need, that we can just drop all of our bags. We carry our pains and our fears and our controls, our addictions. And believe it or not, sometimes we carry joyful things that still keep us from the will of God, right? We can hide behind some of those joyful things. Oh, but I'm, I'm a servant. I do this and this. But sometimes that still keeps us from the will of God because we, we think that we're basking it with something positive, right? He wants us to just wave our white flag. He wants us to be done changing things that we, frankly, are not powerful enough to change. Because you, my friend, hold on, we go here. You are not strong enough to change the will of God. Does everybody hear that? We cannot change the will of God, right? So the word surrender usually has this negative connotation to it, right? Because we think it means we are nothing. Well, frankly, we are, right? But when you finally surrender, you're surrendering the things that don't align with God's will, right? That's truly what it comes down to. We're no longer defined by our past, amen? We're no longer... That's a big one. We're no longer defined by failures. We're no longer defined by struggles and circumstances that we have put ourselves in, correct? Because God says... I'm going to tell you who you are and you are mine. So going back to our scripture, it's not the acts of following the law that bring us to grace anymore. Why? Because Christ redeemed us when he hung on that cross, right? That is the only thing that matters at this point. Pastor Jen has been preaching on relationships, and it couldn't have gone any better that that's what she was preaching on until now. Because we have to have that relationship with our Holy Father. We have to have that relationship with self, and we have to have that relationship with others, right? Because church and faith don't work alone, do they? You can see between these teenagers up here, we have to have each other to, to function through life, right? I'm actually going to reread our scripture today. Um, I told Jenna I was going to read out of this scripture, so she, she did say it was okay. Uh, but I'm reading out of the message remix. Um, not this one. It's a different one. It's just a different translation. But I love the way this is put. So what actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified for Christ, and my ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ is in me. The life you see me live is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. It's not clear that you have to go back on that old rule of, of our old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion. And that would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God. And I refuse to do that. 
If living in relationship with God could come by rule of your keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. I don't think any of us believe that Christ died unnecessarily. Right? Christ wants our relationship with you, but he also calls us to submit. Now, so many of you could probably say, Kelly, I have that relationship with God. I gave my life to Christ. And I can attest to that because most of you helped raise me. Most of you grew up in the, or I grew up in the church that y'all have. Y'all seen me from little to big. Some of you probably heard my first sermon as a senior in high school. And how amazing that now you guys are helping raise my children as well. It's beautiful, right? Because that's what the body of God did. That's the biggest thing for me, for these teenagers. That's why I love what I do. It's because they have to have the opportunity to know Christ, to confess that God needs to be their Lord and Savior, right? That's the biggest thing for me. See, when I was in sixth grade, I went to Midwinter at Lakeview. And I stood in the Copeland building one night after worship. And uh, we sang a song, I felt the presence, and right then and there, I kneeled and I gave my life to Christ. Y'all, I can't go in that building anymore without getting that same feeling and knowing what that place means to me. And Brandon's going to share a moment. In the moment of worship, I chose to give my life to God because I realized that there's nothing more, there's nothing but pure joy and happiness that comes from Him. Uh, and there's nothing that can satisfy me except him. He is my rock of salvation. He's the guy I know who will never give up on me. See, this summer at camp, we had something really powerful happen. It was Wednesday night, middle of worship, and I had a student come back to me. Miss Kelly, we got to pray. Let's do it. What's going on? What are you feeling? And I need you to know that in that moment, Jackson Hadley accepted Jesus Christ. Now after the praise, we were joyful, and he goes, Miss Kelly, we're going to get worship. Yes, we do. So we ran back up there, and I look over, and I see Brandon just arms spread. Y'all, he had a smile from ear to ear on his face. And I look at him and I'm like, you okay, dude? I mean, because he is just in this moment. He goes, I feel something right here in my heart. I said, well, what are you feeling? He's like, I feel the Holy Spirit. I'm like, dude, are you ready to accept Jesus? And he goes, yes, I am. Okay, right then and there, 15 minutes after Jackson, Brandon accepted Jesus Christ. Okay, we did. 
If you notice on the cross right here on our shirt, it says hashtag hell lost another one. I worked it out. <laughs> but, y'all, those three teenagers in that moment, they saw what God was calling them to do, and they saw the bigger power in their life, right? The one thing that I have to keep reminding is battle's not over, right? Those of you that have been a Christian for a really long time, you can attest. Battle's not over. It doesn't mean life is good for you, right? No. We still have struggles, but what do we have to do? We have to set them down, give them to God, and submit and surrender, and keep walking, right? This is what God calls us to do. Otherwise, what's wrong? He died in vain, right? Yo, my favorite part of the song, Running the Father, is it says, My heart needs a surgeon. And my soul needs a friend. And I asked you if their response is on that line as well. Yeah, here's what they told me. Our heart needs a surgeon because a surgeon fixes diseased organs. It shows a severe need in the body. And it needs a specific person to fix it. And a surgeon fixes from deep within. You see why I like hanging out with you? Well, they're awesome. <laughs> see? That surgeon has to go into the place that beats life into us, right? Has to have delicate hands and precision. And go to where nobody else can. Because we have a heart condition, right? He has to have precision, patience, knowledge, and gentle hands. And guess what? That's what I, I asked of my father, right? Because he's got to do heart surgery on me a lot. When I have those moments of failure. That a young lady, Vicki and I had in our cabin. She just graduated from high school. Y'all, she walked in confident. Okay? Kind of bags over her shoulders. She walked in, set her stuff down, and I looked at her and I was like, I sure hope she's on my team. She's gonna win. Okay? Set her stuff down, just said, Hi, I'm Jordan. Nice to meet you, Jordan. Um, she's from Galveston. And I literally thought, I'm not playing against her in Dodgeball. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. I'm glad, I'm glad she liked me and we had a relationship. But as the week went on, she began to open up in Bible study and in small group time. And she had this deep connection with her faith. But there was a little something missing. Because see, Jordan was 18 years old. Both her parents were in the military. She spent a lot of time with her grandparents. Didn't have a real stable life at home. She had three jobs as an 18-year-old girl. In high school, she worked as a vet tech. She also worked as a, like a receptionist at a hotel. And at the same time, was also trying to get her EMT and I think she had passed her EMT, but working on her paramedic lessons. You're 18 years old. She also is going to be a combat medic in the Army. So when I say I want her on my team, she looks the part, right? And one day, Thursday, she looked at me, she said, Miss Kelly, I don't know what to do for activities today. I've done everything I want to do. And I looked at her and I said, what about the lab rack? There's not a lot of people signed up for that. She said, well, I don't know what that is, but okay, I'll go. How many of y'all know what a lab rack is? Okay, so here's a picture of it. Thank you, Carl, for adding it in late for me. Um, it's not a maze, because there's one way in and one way out. It's to build your relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? And um, you're supposed to take it as quiet, solitude moment. And as you walk this path to the center, you're walking with your faith to God. Okay? 
And what it is is when you walk in, sometimes you're closer to God and sometimes you're further away. And it is up to you to take that journey. Spend some time in the middle, but then you have to walk your way back up. Well, I looked at Jordan and I said, hey, I really want you to take some time doing this. I wrote her questions that I made her answer before she went and to think and process to give her some things to talk about while she was conversating with God that day. And y'all, we go in there, I light the candles, it kind of gets started, there were only two other youth in there. They kind of hurried through it. And Jordan took her time. And as I'm sitting in the corner, kind of writing notes to my cabin girls and the rest of my church, I really wasn't paying attention until she stopped. And she stopped kind of at the center on the left-hand side a little bit and just stood there. She's okay. So I finished writing my notes as she walked to the center. It wasn't until she started walking out that I looked and realized what she had been doing. Y'all, this is painted on like a drop cloth, and it's about the size of the center section of chairs here. When I began watching her, she had her socks on. She was feeling with her feet as she went and tracing the line. She walked the entire labyrinth with her eyes closed. Because I asked her to surrender to what God was calling her to do. Y'all never seen anything like it in my life. Now I'm texting the director of camp and I'm like, Josh, you gotta get in here. You have no idea what this young lady's doing. And you know, I'm scared because there's candles all around and I'm like, I'm just gonna knock the candle over. I'm gonna burn up the labyrinth. Like this is not gonna be the girl that burns up the labyrinth at camp. Y'all, I am questioning God in that moment of if he's gonna have a candle knocked over and here she is walking this completely blind. If she ever felt like she overstepped, God, she would take a step back. She would take a deep breath. She would begin to feel that paint and then continue on her way to follow. She taught me a lesson in surrendering that day that I had to have. At one point, I almost pulled out my phone because I was like, no one's ever going to believe me that she did this. But then I thought, no, this is her moment with God. It's not mine. When we learn to walk our journey with God, whether we're close to him or far away, with our hands open and our mind shut off so that we can just follow his will, that's when we find the moment of peace. Y'all, the crazy thing is, is she stopped at the exact same point on her way back out that she did on her way in. So afterwards, I asked her, I said, what happened right here? She was, I don't know where I was. And I walked her over and I stood her in the spot and I said, here's where you were. And she said... The two most pivotal things in my life that happened, I was thinking about at that place. And she said, I had no idea I stopped at the exact same place. But that is God working on your soul, right? You see, we have to learn to surrender every aspect of our lives with who we are. So that we can glorify God and we can tell Satan, and you lost another one, right? Because we don't want anybody that we know to lose their eternity. Because they didn't take that moment to surrender. So today, during communion, when you come forward, I want you to feel like you're running to the Father. Because what he is offering you right here at the table is that grace, right? Leave your baggage behind. Come forward with a free and renewed heart and run into his grace-filled arms. He has this life plan for you. If we just take the time to surrender those moments. Just so you know, this is the only message I give our teenagers. We talk about other stuff in between. But the message that I give our teenagers is strictly about surrendering your life to God.
Daddy God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you give us the power to actually turn over our will to yours. I pray that today as we go into communion, that we can just take the time to surrender what it is we're holding on to so that you can be forefront in all that we do. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.
teenagers serve today, and they are going to take a piece of bread, place it in your opened hand, and if you would gently dip it into the communion cup. Now today is also a day that uh, is going to start many communions with a tradition in which we are going to take up an extra love offering. And we've not done this before, but today we are going to begin. And so when you're invited, if the Lord calls you, to place it here in this offering box. And you may or may not have heard, but our sister, Ms. Marcia Anderson, um, her home, um, the place where she grew up, her home place uh, was burned in a tragic fire. Her sister um, was living there. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Her sister is fine. But she is going to have to rebuild. And so um, this first love offering is going to go to our sister in Christ but um, if you'd like to have cash or a gift card, uh, the only thing I ask that if you write a check, we'll have you write it maybe directly to Ms. Marsha um, so that she can give it to her sister because we can't put that in the offering. Um, but if you would, bow your heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather at your table. And God, in us that you have made, you have given us an example in which we are to live by, that we are to sacrifice for others, that we are to take a step back from ourselves but always walk forward, being led by our Holy Spirit. So we ask that you bless these gifts of bread and wine, that they be the body and blood of Christ for us, to nourish not only our physical bodies, but to strengthen our spiritual minds. And today, with a special gift, we ask that you be with Masha and her sister Flo. Lord, give them support and allow this offering to be an extension of you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If our communion stewards would come forward, and our ushers are going to invite you to come to partake in this holy meal.